Now, I don't know if this is you know, good news, bad news. It's probably a mixed bag. But if your life at all is still centered on a school schedule, uh, today is the end of vacation. Okay, how many of you does that make sad? Okay, how many of you does that make happy? Yeah, <laughs> some parents are like, yeah, uh, we've, been, we've been waiting for waiting for that one. Now, when I used to teach, uh, I always did this thing when we came back after vacation. I always said, okay, who's wearing something new they got for Christmas? You know, just this little icebreaker coming back uh, because I was weird like that. And I really wanted to today, I wanted to do that somewhat with, I wanted to show you, but I only got two articles of clothing for Christmas. And uh, one of them is my T-shirt. I figured nobody wants to see me start to, uh, you know, disrobe up here and show you my new T-shirt. So, uh, and the other one is my daughter got me this really exciting pair of socks. So um, I, did, I wanted to show you. So I came in today to see if I could lift my leg up onto the pulpit so I could show you. I can. Getting it off took a really long time. So, uh, so I decided you'll have to come by later. I can show you the new exciting socks I got for Christmas. That, that's a present. I also, before we start, want to do just, just say a word. Uh, Pastor James was the one who got to share about the paint the financial picture. I thought he ought to be the one who got to share and say, hey, look, look at that. Uh, Friday of this week, um, I got uh, the total giving for the year. And probably my reaction, you know, should have been, well, of course, that's what God does. But I think I was just like, huh? <laughs> I think I was dumbfounded. John Miscavige told me, and he probably thought, I don't know if the man's excited or dead. Uh, I, may, I may have just killed him. But, um, but I, I, right away, I text the elders. I say, hey, let's, let's uh, share in this. Dennis texts back. He said, we got to celebrate. And he's right, and we will. Uh, you know, we thought today we'll sing a little bit and smile, but we'll put in a little bit more effort. That might work great with our theme for February. We'll take a day when we just celebrate what God has done. I also wanted to mention that uh, two things in that. One is, this is more good news. The giving on a regular basis, really beginning in November, had picked up good and was healthy, and that's something we're excited about. That, that continues. Obviously, the end of the year giving was incredible uh but that that was really good news and then um also i just want to mention this time of the year when we start talking about budget for the year uh and uh, we will talk about budget for the year but we're going to take a little bit of extra time you know we've talked about the idea of having just a real good long-term plan financially and we really want to work on that so you will hear more about it but uh if you're like hey are we going to have a budget for this year we are but uh, we're gonna we're gonna take our time make sure that uh that we are doing our best as far as stewardship uh, with that goes. So, is that, is that good with that? You ready? John chapter 15. I have been ready for this uh, series and excited about sharing this with you and getting you. James is right. A few of you actually remember. We're going to talk about Be the Branch. By the end of the month, when he asked that question, though, it will be an incredible chorus of voices. Be the Branch. It might be like, Be the Branch. We've heard it enough. But um, really want to, uh, we're going to look today at uh, John chapter 15. But uh, just the, the idea of this new life that Christ has given us uh, is, yes, eternal life. But it is also, he says, this is a life that's abundant and is rich here on this earth as we learn uh, and as we grow in our abiding in him, that that is the key to this life that we're living. So we're going to look at some things from John chapter 15 today and, uh, and continue uh, you know, along that theme throughout the month. Jesus has uh, just met with the disciples in the upper room, what we call the Last Supper, and he is uh, moving towards Gethsemane, the garden where he is uh, betrayed and he is taken. Uh, but he's continuing to teach the disciples. And one of the things he does is he says, I'm going I'm to give you one more metaphor. 
Okay, I've, been, I've told you that I'm the door. I've told you that I'm the way. I've told you that I'm the, the, uh, the good shepherd. But uh, here in John chapter 15, I want to give you another metaphor. And this one to them would have been abundantly clear in their agricultural economy that they would have understood. He said, I want to tell you that I am the vine and therefore you are the branches. So if you would, uh, once again, I'm going to uh, put the passage up here. Uh, for us, but uh, beginning in verse number one of John chapter 15, the words of our Savior, he says, I am the true vine, the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, uh, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me ye can do nothing." Make sure that uh, if you have any type of study notes, you look up that word nothing because in the original, it actually means nothing. Uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown like a branch uh, and withers. I'm sorry. He's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. For this, for this uh, my Father is glorified, I'm sorry, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Would you take just a moment here, if your mind has wandered at all, and reread that last phrase. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I'm, I'm not, you know, you know, I have a little rebel in me, and sometimes pastors will say, you know, hey, underline this. I'm like, I'm not underlining that. I don't underline what I want to underline. Uh, but if you do any underlining in the Bible, you might want to underline that, that verse there and just highlight that. I think we forget this idea a lot. You know, with the, our, our word love can mean so many different things. And you know, we've talked about this. We use the same word for, you know, I love my dog. I love spaghetti. I love my wife. Uh, you know, hopefully I don't mean the same thing in every one of those statements. Uh, you know, and I love God. But so understand the type of love that he's talking about here. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That's kind of, uh, let's just take that, man. That, take that away here and go with that this week. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There are more than four things to gather out of this, but we're going to take a moment and uh, notice four observations from this passage just as we get started into looking at this idea. And the first thing goes back to the first phrase and what Jesus said. He said this. He said that he is the true vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine. 
I think most definitely implied in that is that there is such a thing or there are such things as false vines. Okay, the branches are to be connected to the vine. That's where they receive their life and, and they're growing. But, uh, but there's such a thing as connecting and trying to get our life out of the wrong thing. Now, there's probably some things that pop to mind right away. You know, I could try to find the meaning of my life and the worth of my life in fame, or I could try to find it in, in uh, money, or I could try to find it in, uh, you know, even in uh, drugs or whatever like that that might be what I see as the source of my life or getting power or something like that. But I want to get us to think about a few things that might not come to your mind right away that could be false vines. One of them that uh, you may be surprised that I would say is one of the false vines that we connect to often is church. <laughs> I thought this was church, and you like people to come to church. Don't you think that's a good thing? We're going to emphasize during the month of February that idea of being the body and the importance of the church and that we need the church. I'm not, I don't want to play that down in any way. Uh, you know, or, or say that that's not important. But there have been many situations where maybe a, a heartbroken parent has looked at their children's life and they said, hey, you know what? We have done a great job of raising our kids in church, but we didn't really raise them in Christ. And it's kind of fallen away. And I think what can happen oftentimes is church can become a substitute. You know, we'll even say, you know, we'll talk about somebody, well, you know, at least they're in church. You know, I'm glad at least they're going back to church. And I would agree. That's positive because of the fact that church can help them connect to Jesus Christ. But I don't ever want it to be a substitute that I'm happy simply because we're in church. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, you know, that's where we are. Now, if you think that seemed a little strange that I would, that I would say that about church, you're probably going to think me heretical when I say the next thing. But uh, the other thing that can be a false fine is the Bible. <laughs> Wait a minute, buddy. Where are you going with that one? And, and I have to say again, just as I believe in the church, hopefully you know I believe in the Bible, okay? And I believe in the importance of the Bible. I, I told you before, when I stepped down after 30 years of teaching, they made me a really nice cake, and it had that fondant, fondant, whatever that is on there. And they made little three little symbols they put all over the cake. One was the Pepsi-Cola symbol. The other was the Pittsburgh Steelers symbol. And the third was the Bible all I can say is one out of three ain't bad. <laughs> if I if I got to be known for something, I guess I don't want to be known as a Pepsi fiend or the or the Steeler fanatic. But uh, but at least I, a little bit. Uh, that's what I want my a passion of life to be is the Word of God. Um, excited uh, about the number of these little Be the Branch booklets that have gone out. That's a great start, and I hope you've been able to start. I'll say a few words about that more in a minute. But that people are getting into the Word of God. I, I couldn't, cannot emphasize that enough, how much I think it's important. However, however, and stay, if you stay with me here for a second, I will say this, that is not the end. And what I mean by that is, if, if you know this, um, the one group of people that we often think of as the bad guys in the Bible, that they were the enemies of Christ confronting him and, and uh, Jesus rebuking them, are the Pharisees, okay? Uh, who, in the time of Jesus, knew the Bible better than the Pharisees? Jesus Christ alone, okay? I guarantee you the Pharisees knew the Bible better than any of us do. I mean, they memorized the Torah. I mean, you know, we get where we're reading on our Bible reading project, we get two chapters into Leviticus, and we say, I think I'm going to John. Uh, you know, I can't get, but these, these guys lived in that, and they knew the Scriptures more than anybody. But yet what Jesus said to them, I wanted to read this verse to you back in chapter uh, 5 of the book of John. 
uh, in, in verse number 39, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness of me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So he told them, yeah, you know the scriptures inside and out, but bottom line is you don't know me. And again, I'm not preaching in any way against being in the Word of God, but what I'm saying is the Word of God is what reveals to us Jesus Christ, and we want to get to that relationship. One other thing that might be kind of weird uh, that I think of as a false find is also people. We often are connected to people, which again, well, we should be, and that's part of God's design, but for some of you, that is our, that is our whole thing. I mean, we're all about the people that we're connected with, and sometimes even we put that person or those people in the place of God, whether that be a spiritual leader, a mentor, a spouse, or whatever like that, uh, they kind of take the place of God in my life. You know, that's, that's where my anchor is. And uh, in any of those things, we are not connected to, or we are not necessarily, I should say, connected to the true vine that we want to be. A second observation that I want to make here is that pruning which the Bible mentions here very clearly uh, in the first couple verses there, is a part of maturing. And this is a, a little bit to the side here. When uh, One of the jobs I had uh, as a young man that I would do sometimes in the summertime, I had a friend who had a 10-acre Christmas tree farm, just a little Christmas tree farm. And uh, he hired me to go out and uh, prepare the trees. By the way, I've, I've said this before, this is very disheartening, may ruin everything you believe about Christmas, but do you know they spray paint those trees? It's not real, uh, but they do. They have this uh, nutrient thing that they spray on, and it's green. I used to come back covered in green uh, when it was spraying day uh, uh, out there. But the other thing that they do every year from the time these trees are knee-high is they prune them. And uh, they have workers that go out there, and I would go out there with my machete. And <laughs> some of you have very bad visual image right there, uh, hence my nickname, Stubby. No, but uh, the... Uh, but, but the uh, and, and you had to you had to kind of stand up against the tree and prune it like this, but you had to wear protection on your leg as far as a, uh, I actually wore a catcher's uniform because the machete would glance off the branches sometimes and hit your leg. You know, but, I, you know, but I'd spend my days out there in the summer going down this tree and, and trimming it up, and I can remember when he took me out there to explain, he says, now this tree uh, needs some shaping, and then he took me over the tree and he said, no, this is perfect. And I said, well, then you let that one go, right? And he said, no, you don't let it go. Uh, he said, because when you cut off that edge, that new growth, it's going to come in so much fuller, and it's going to come in so much better. Uh, so we're going to prune the ones that aren't looking that great, and we're going to prune the ones that are looking that great, uh, that are already producing fruit. And I think it is very important that we grasp this concept. So as it came up here in Scripture, I wanted to come back to this again, because we have this mindset sometimes that, uh, man, as long as I am doing everything in my life that I'm supposed to do, I'm on the right track, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm behaving the right way, then everything is going to go, be smooth sailing. I mean, everything is going to be cotton candy and just have a good time, and, you know, this, this is going to be great. But I can't preach that kind of cotton candy, you know, uh, weak sauce type Christianity. We need to understand that in following Christ, He is going to continue to prune us, and He is going to continue to do that so that we can grow even fuller and more. What He says in that passage is, if you're bearing some fruit, I want you to bear more fruit. That is going to continue to happen. So I can't give you that promise that, hey, do it, you know, 
walk the right road and, and everything's going to be smooth. Or if things are not smooth, it's because you're not on the right path. You will not hear those words come out of my mouth. That pruning, that cutting away uh, is a continual part of our life and growing. So we want to hold on to that concept. And then most definitely we want to get to, uh, by the way, one, one other thing that uh, talk about with the, with the vines is that they are lifted up out of the dirt you know, and, the, and they're, they're cleaned up there. That's something we're really going to focus on next week. But a third thought for this week is that connection is emphasized before production. In verses 4 uh, through 10, 10 times in there the word abide occurs. 10 times in those seven verses you have the word abide. We oftentimes... Think of the whole idea that somehow if I am productive as a Christian, if I am performing well, then I have somehow earned the right to abide in Christ. Uh, last night I got a text, and as I looked down at it, I saw it was from Pastor James, and I just saw one word in there, and the word was overflow. And honestly, I just thought, okay, I'm heading for church with my shop back uh, because something has, has overflowed. But all he was doing was sending me what he thought was a helpful quote. And the quote was this. It's by a guy by the name of Craig Rochelle. Some of you may have heard of But he said, our do overflows out of the who. If I could say that again. The do, this performance, our actions, the way we live, overflows out of the who, the one that we are connected to. The person that, that in, in whom we are abiding and because of that in whom we are actually becoming. We oftentimes go back to a performance and or a production-based style Christianity where we think that somehow I am earning the blessing of God. Okay, And that's going to result ultimately in burnout. When I think that I, there are some things I can do that ultimately are going to make me deserving of this relationship with God. Let me say that again. I am not deserving of this relationship with God. But yet, if you will observe with me, again, we said ten times in here, God is inviting us into this relationship. God wants us to have this, this relationship. And he is not saying, get yourself cleaned up so that you can abide in me. He doesn't say that. Uh, the most famous preacher, I think, of, uh, of our lives died a couple years ago, Billy Graham. And I can remember hearing Billy Graham, you know, preaching away, and he said, I am not suggesting that you get your life cleaned up so that you can come to Christ. I am saying come to Christ so that you can get your life cleaned up. And for many of us, we understand that when we talk about beginning our life in Christ, that the only way we can know this life, that we can uh, have eternal life, is not going to be by our works, not going to be by us cleaning ourselves up, but by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Most of us get it to that point, but then when it comes time to walking in the Christian life, if, if we're honest in our thinking a lot of times, we see ourselves as undeserving of that closeness, and therefore we do not experience that closeness. We have got to clean our ourselves up to come to Christ rather than rather than trusting in his work one preacher said it like like this he said do not begrudge the cross the cross of Christ in that way okay it, he has made it possible uh, for us to come to him and he invites us to be connected to him a second thing that uh, along underneath that that I like to encourage us to do is to focus on the connection point 
I didn't want to use the word connection again, so my first outline, I was trying to think of the, what I mean by connection point, where the vine meets the branch, and I thought, well, that's like a joint, so I put focus on the joint. And then I looked at that, and I thought, no, we don't want to go there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where, where everybody would go with that. So I went back to focus on the connection point. But, okay, this, this is going to sound like preaching, uh, like, uh, like yelling-type preaching, scolding you, and it, and it really is not intended to be that at all. My observation is that the idea of abiding in Christ, connecting to him, spending time in prayer, is lacking incredibly in most people's lives, okay? And, and I, I would throw in so much of my Christian life like that too. And then that's why I said, I think we sub in, hey, I'm plugged in church, so I'm doing good. Uh, you know, hey, I'm even reading my Bible, you know, so I'm doing good. Or I'm connected to a lot of church people, and people who love the Lord, and that's good. But the whole idea of a personal walk with Jesus Christ, I believe for many people is what is missing and what is lacking. In fact, I would say this, we, we um, if you didn't, if you haven't been around, you don't know what we're talking about. We're passed out these books for the month of January, encouraging everybody just to read a proverb a day. But uh, with each day, uh, you, you just a quick thought of what I learned from that proverb. Secondly, how can I live it? And thirdly, I want to encourage everybody to write out a two-sentence prayer. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound harsh, like I'm mad at everybody. I think for many people, if you'll do that, that might be the only prayer you're uttering. I think, for, I think the most commonly misspoken words are, I will pray for you, because we intend to. So we're not lying when we say it, but very simply, this whole idea of really abiding in Jesus Christ is so often missing. And I want us to see how he is, he is inviting us into this. I want us to you know, go back to that uh, verse number 9 where it says that he loved me uh, in a way that, uh, that, the, that the Father loved him. That that's how incredible I'm loved. I would love to stand here and tell you that this morning I rolled out of bed at 4 o'clock and prayed for the church for two hours. And pretty much I do that every day. I've heard pastors tell stories like that. And I thought, that'd be cool to have a pastor like that. I wish I could tell you differently, but you don't. Uh, here's how my, and I don't, I say that somewhat apologetically, but, but stay, stay with me. I, I want to explain. Here's how my day started. 6 o'clock, the alarm went off. Usually on Sunday morning, I can get up before the alarm, but it was kind of a rough night's sleep. I'd fallen back asleep around 5, and it, it started going. I knew it was irritating me. It was irritating her. I was trying to run across the room and find it. So 6 o'clock, I found it. Went out to the, to the uh, garage in the refrigerator out there. I keep my chocolate mint cliff bars. Really like those. Uh, that's my breakfast. So I ran out there and get that and a glass of uh, cold mint iced tea. That's my breakfast. And I plop down and start to eat those two. And the dog joins me because she knows that, what I do is I give her the very last little morsel of my chocolate mint cliff bar. I mean, when I say little, I mean little. You say, chocolate isn't good for dogs. You don't understand how little this is. Uh, I mean, I, I save it. And I have learned that as soon as she gets that bite, she knows it's walk time, so she starts barking. So I, you know, I get this last bite, and I'm biting it in half and in half and in half till finally I give it to her because I know that if she's not going to bark and wake up my wife, I've got to give it to her and get moving toward the door. So I do that. I get moving towards the door. Now, at this point, I've been up about 15 minutes. Have I at least said, good morning, Lord? No, I haven't. A couple times I might have mumbled, good Lord, is morning. But I never once, uh, I never once said, good morning, Lord. I didn't start like that. Because, but this is the time now. I'm going to walk the dog. That's the time when I, when I want to pray. So we have about a 15-minute little walk we take in the mornings. 
I just, again, I want to be transparent. I'm not bragging. If you want to fire me after this, that's, that's fine. I'm really, <laughs> I don't think this is good. But for that 15 minutes, probably four different times, I had to kind of come back to prayer because my mind wandered. Uh, at best, in that 15 minutes, I probably spent half that time in prayer. Okay? Uh, I have at different times, you know, read different books on centering prayers where, hey, you get alone and you spend 20 minutes just you and God. Some of you might remember a few years ago I took a retreat up by Three Rivers. There's a little place you can rent a cabin for 40 bucks, and, and it's just to be completely alone and pray. And I did that for a day and, and uh, you know, tried, you know, and you, well, that was the greatest day of your life. No, it was really kind of tough for me. <laughs> I was lonely. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I'd love to tell you, hey, you know, I used to read stories of this guy named George Mueller, and you might remember that. They'd always tell you, what a great prayer where he was. I thought, man, I want to be like that, and I still do aspire to that. I hope that I continue to grow, but to be very honest with you, prayer for me is tough. So I can't tell you, hey, I pray an hour a day, you ought to. What I can tell you is this, here's some things I am learning about abiding in him that have been very helpful to me, and I hope this idea of focusing on that connection point, if you think about it, that place where I am connected as the branch, I am connected to the vine, I want to look at that, I want that to be strong and healthy. So I want to look for places in my life where I can build, build that. And I want to encourage you to think about that today. Wherever you are in your journey as far as abiding in Christ, you know, where could that be stronger? Maybe the first thing you want to do is make sure you get one of these books and try every day to write out a two-sentence prayer. It's just that I'm stopping at one point in my day and connecting with him. Maybe it's a driveway prayer that will help you. You're pulling in on the way home from work and you want to stop for just a minute and pray for your time with your family that night. Maybe it's a, you know, a general, the entryway. You know, when you pull into church, when you pull into work, that I'm going to stop there and just pause and pray. Uh, I do a thing where I cannot sleep on my back. So I will get into bed at night and the first thing I do is lay on my back because I know I'm not going to fall asleep uh, to, to, to try to pray. And I'd love to tell you that that's hours sometimes. But my wife will tell you, after a few minutes, I roll over so I can go to sleep. Uh, but, it, but it is my, my focus at the end of the day to say thank you and just to, just to connect. And, you know, would you look for those as far as, hey, where could this be part of my day? You know, where is there a time, whether it's walking the dog, whether it's my morning cup of coffee, whatever like that, but where I am consciously making an effort to connect uh, to and, and build up this joint or this connection point in my life so that I am cl close to him. Listen, um, that, that idea of his love for us being as the Father has loved them is so important that we get this here because the biggest thing that has helped me grow in prayer is, is getting a hold of this idea right here that, that I want to share with you. The biggest thing that has helped me my, my wife uh, occasionally she'll go away uh, and this actually did not happen this last time, so I'm proud of it. But uh, sometimes, you know, like she'll be gone, and she's off doing something fun. You know, she's off doing something with the kids, and no, I couldn't go. Uh, you know, like that's so already have a little bit of a testy attitude. And then I don't do well with her gone, so I'm lonely, you know, and I'm, I'm waiting for her to call me because I know she's busy. Let's say she's out there, she's celebrating my grandson's birthday, and she forgets to call me. Okay. I honestly did not do that this past time, but I've done things like this in the past. So I, I was thinking about, let's say, so the next day after I went to bed, tick, because she never called me because she's out there having a good time. Uh, then I get up the next morning, and after a while, the, the, uh, the phone rings, and I look down, and it's Francis. And here's my mature response. 
I'm not going to answer that right now. She's going she's gonna to wait. I could be sitting there doing absolutely nothing. But, you know, I'm not going to answer that right now. I'm not running back to her, you know, like that. Uh, she didn't call me when I really wanted her to. Now, if you are anywhere near a normal person, you realize that I am incredibly petty. Uh, and I am. But sometimes I transfer that pettiness onto God. Here's what I mean. I think to myself, okay, I haven't read my Bible for a while, or I didn't, you know, I didn't pray when I wanted to, or I set out to, I was going to pray for 15 minutes, and I'm two minutes in, and my mind is, no, uh, like that. God must be so disgusted, and he must be sitting there going, I don't even want to hear from you now. I really do. I, in my mind, I almost think like that, like God doesn't want to hear from me. That's not true. And it's not that God needs us, but it is that God is not petty like we are. God says, abide in me. Come to me. That invitation there is open. Can we get a hold of that? Can, can, can we cling to that? Can we hang on to that? I mean, if you might even be thinking, yeah, you know, I was going to start that devotional thing this year, but I forgot about that. I didn't pick up a book or whatever ever like that. Ah, God doesn't want to hear from me now. Wrong, oh. I, I don't know how else to say that. We are, we are making God out to be petty like we are. You see what I mean? He is not. He is saying, abide. I'm not waiting for you to clean yourself up. Abide. Come to me. You know, connect with me. Spend time with me. Can we take that? A third point just to throw at you real quickly here is think about the alternative here if I am not abiding in him. What does the Bible say? We will be like sticks. <laughs> Can you imagine if our theme for January was be the stick? <laughs> All right, hey, be a bunch of dead sticks. Uh, that's, that's great. That's a, you know, just a beautiful decoration and everything like that. Be the stick. Uh, and what it says is that then we are withered. It, it uses that terminology in there, that we are withered. Do you feel sometimes withered? I mean, really, I mean, it's just, hey, it's, it's hard. And, and, and I feel kind of withered, you know, like I, I need this strength or I need that connection. I, I need this new life. Many times we find ourselves in that position. When I uh, um, do projects, I am not always the most patient person. Sometimes I'm a little rambunctious. And I was home um, one time during the summer to my parents' house, and I wanted to mow the grass for them. Mom had planted a nice little pine tree. It wasn't any bigger than that big. And she took those, you know, those little metal white fences. She took that and put it around there. But, you know, that's, that's a pain to mow around. So I found it easier to go collect those, put those on the porch, and then mow. But, you know, of course, I'd steer around her pine tree. So I was mowing along, and, of course, I totally forgot about the pine tree. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really pretty cool, though, because it didn't actually mutilate the pine tree. It was neat because I just heard this weird little noise kind of like, and uh, it had chopped it off and just spit it out in the yard. So there was this nice little whole pine tree out in the yard. And I thought, <laughs> nobody needs to know. Uh, so I stuck it back in the ground uh, like that. And Mom spent the rest of the summer watering it and talking to it and feeding it plant food and everything like that. And it just kept getting browner and browner and browner. And then finally the day she went out there and she pulled it out of the ground and I was at my bedroom window. I could still see her standing there going, Daniel. See, my dad would have cut it down, but he would not have stuck it back in the ground. Uh, she knew right away there was only one person who would stick it back in the ground. Uh, and she's standing there going, Daniel, uh, no matter how much she watered that thing, planted it, talked to it, everything like that, it had no connection. 
It had no connection, and it wasn't going to grow. It wasn't, wasn't going to live. That's what the Scripture says here. That's the, the alternative is to be this dead stick and to wither and die. That, that's where it is. And, and it, please, I, I think you sense my spirit is not, hey, you bunch of heathens. You don't ever connect with God. You don't ever read your Bible or anything like that. This is something we all strive. I think partly because we have an enemy who wants to keep us from this because this is the key of every, everything. He's glad to have us substitute other things in there for your connection to Jesus Christ. Hey, he'd love more than anything for you to attend this church for years and never once uh, trust Jesus Christ to forgiveness of sins. He's smiling all over, the, all over the place. He's the enemy of our souls. He hates us. But God wants us connected to him. To the church, yeah, so that you'll connect to him. That'll help you do that. To the word of God, most definitely, because it's in there that you learn about him. To other people who can help you grow, for sure. But see what I mean? So often our lives are full of, and, and I'm not... Listen, if you are like, Dan, that's not me. I have a very healthy prayer life, and I am praying, you know, probably I pray an hour a day. I don't say this in any way sarcastically. I mean this very sincerely. I thank the Lord for you. I am a little bit spiritually envious of you. Uh, That's exactly what I aspire to also. But I want to tell you from experience, that is very rare. From, you know, for all the things that technology has promised us as far as it's going to give us more time and lighten our schedule. How's that working out for you? <laughs> it isn't, is it? Life just continues to get busier and escalate. And, uh, and, we get to, and the thing that is so often neglected is that abiding in Jesus Christ. If I could you know, ring the bell and, and the alarm and, and or what, whatever, but call us back to that connection with Jesus Christ and really encourage you today just to look at that point and say, okay, where am I connecting? What, what is that one thing I could do that, that I'm not doing right now? How could I grow in that? How could I strengthen that connection that as the branch I can be healthy because I am connected to the vine? One last point here real quickly. Another thing that grabbed my attention as I read through this passage is uh, verse number 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified. If you are, if when you hear about living the Christian life, prayer, anything like that, you look at yourself and you say, hey, you know what, this is beyond me. I'm really kind of a failure at this. This is beyond me. This is not, pulling off this Christian life is not something I'm capable of. Can I tell you, great, that's exactly where you want to be. You want to get to the place where you're saying, hey, this is not something I am capable of, but I want to abide in Jesus Christ and rest in his strength. He's the one that's going to produce fruit in my life. He's the one that's going to produce real lasting change in my life as I as I abide in him. God doesn't pick his team like we do. Somebody said this, God drafts like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, if you're an NFL fan, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about there. But God says, hey, wait a minute, you stutter, Moses? I want you on my team. David, uh, adultery, set the guy up to get killed, a little murder. I want you on my team. Elijah, you got uh, a little depression problem going? I want you on my team. Paul, Saul, you hate me and are trying to kill me. You're on my team. Peter, Peter, you got the old case of foot and mouth disease, uh, don't you, buddy? But uh, you're on my team. Okay, why? Because it's not about us. It's not about our beauty. It's not about our talent. It's not about any of those things. It is about his glory. And what he calls us to do is what we're talking about here today. Again, can I say 10 times, is that word abide. Learn to just be connected to the 
vine. That's the only way the branch is going to survive. And I, I'm excited because this is a, this is an idea that we haven't begun to scratch the surface of. But I hope today that uh, you you know that, that that we just begin to think about that. And I really do. I, I hope that you know even as uh, watch come on back up. We're going to close. Uh, we're going to sing in Christ alone again, or what we're going to sing. Cornerstone, good enough. Uh, he is that cornerstone. He, he is that anchor. But as we sing that even, maybe, you know, while we're singing, you want to bow your head and, and just say, Lord, hey, this is, this is something. Oh, hey, let me stress one more thing. I keep saying this, but this is so important because this is such a big part of my life. Let's say you leave here today and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, tomorrow I'm going to pull in the parking lot at work, and before I go in, I want to pray and just, just take a minute and connect with God and say, God, I, I want to represent you well today. And tomorrow comes, and about 10 o'clock, you remember you didn't do that at all. If you are like I often am, I will at that point say, forget it. I blew it again, and I will give up. Okay? I want to encourage you so much just to see a father that says, hey, I'm not pity. I'm not mad at you because you forgot me this morning, and I don't want to talk to you in the afternoon. Okay? I'm, not, I'm just not like that. I want you come back to me. You say, but pastor, I've been around a long time and I've made these commitments over and over again. I know I've been there. That's what I'm saying. And the thing that has helped me more than anything, I don't know how I say, is to stop beating myself up about my failures and to come back and trust in Him. It's been huge as far as learning to abide in Him.